0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. The folks from Sauce Magazine always watch the local restaurant scene with a sharp eye. And what they're looking at right now are some of the brand new eateries for the area they consider lip-smacking good. Joining me in studio for our latest edition of Sound Bites are managing editor Catherine Claney and staff writer Matt Sorrell. Thank you both so much for being with us. Good to see you again. You too. Thank you. Seems like only a week or two ago. (laughs) (laughs) I
1: think it was.
0: (laughs) Why am I thinking of... Michael Jackson. Yep. <laughs> 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 Matt, you tell me why.
2: Well, um, you're probably referring to the new restaurant, Billy Jean in yes. Clayton. Uh, and so actually, there is no Michael Jackson connection there. Um, it's actually named after uh, uh, owner Zoe Robinson's uh, mom and dad, Billy and Jean. Okay. So um, it's a, a really great place. If you're not familiar with uh, Zoe Robinson, she has been a fixture on the culinary scene here for years. Great restaurants like E. Fratellini and Bar La Frere, which are still open um, on Clayton, in Clayton as well. Um, and Zoe's Pan-Asian, the Central West End, which is a longtime favorite of many people's. Uh, so Billy Jean is located actually just down the street on Down from uh, E. Fratellini and Bar La Frere. And um, it, uh, it's, I, I like to say it's a little bit of Manhattan. In St. Louis. It's very classy. Very, you, It's almost like you're in the Upper West Side. It's just uh, fantastic food. She is working with her longtime collaborator, um, Nivang Sali, who is her executive chef and was, yeah. has been her executive chef for many, many restaurants. Really nice menu. A little bit of European influence, a little bit of uh, Asian influence. Um, just a, a really great, really great space.
0: Well, she started here some years. It was at Cafe O or Cafe Zoe that she Cafe Zoe. Cafe Zoe Cafe Zoe yeah oh. so she's been very very active on the restaurant scene oh, for a absolutely. long time
2: yeah and um just always very well regarded every place she has is is extremely well thought out, well designed,
0: great menus. Right. What have you got for us, Catherine?
1: Sure. So from uh, Manhattan to the Midwest, uh, Honey Pit Smokehouse has opened in Kirkwood. And when I was doing my research, I didn't really come across any uh, barbecue joints in Kirkwood. So I was I was happy to see that they finally have one to call their own. This is at the intersection of Big Bend Boulevard, Boulevard and Kirkwood Road. For people who are familiar with the uh, former steak and rice, that was where it was located. Um, and Honey Pit uses water smokers, which The owners say uh, use a combination of steam and smoke to keep the meat extra tender. We really liked it. Uh, I really, I personally evaluate barbecue places based on meat first. I'm not a big sauce person, even though there are very good sauces out there, but I find they cover all manner of sins in terms of uh, how to smoke the meat which is what they were designed to do Ex- by the french uh, exactly. centuries ago exactly yeah. so um but i found all everything there sauceless was wonderful and their house sauces were good too the ribs were perfect they had a sticky glaze on the outside and that perfect pink ring when you tear into them you can tell it's been in the smoker for several hours the meat just barely clung to the bone but still enough that you could pick it up and not have the whole thing fall apart um, turkey is usually an afterthought at a lot of barbecue joints, um, but we were impressed here. They, it traveled from Kirkwood to our offices downtown, sliced. It was still tender. It was still juicy. It was perfectly smoked. Um, and we also really liked the hot links that they do. They seemed highly seasoned with a lot of different spices, Louisiana spices. I felt like there was a lot of paprika in there, and it had a nice snap when you bite into it. I hate it when you bite into to barbecue sausages and they just kind of mush. This, yeah. was, this was a very pleasant texture. Um, sides wise we are suckers for any battered battered seasoned french fry and these did not disappoint Uh, we were also pleasantly surprised by the cornbread muffins they're light they're slightly sweet uh, and they were both great for sopping up any leftover sauce or drippings on the on the pans
0: a little bit different uh, matt than mexican cuisine Uh,
2: quite a bit different Uh, the next place i'd like to speak about is uh, casa juarez mexican town which is uh, in the maryland heights area and um, it's Mexican town is a very apt description it's a huge space about 11,000 square feet used to be a a restaurant called Rice Bowl uh, most recently uh, and they have about 250 seats inside 120 seats outside for when the weather warms up Uh, huge menu of of, of Mexican food these are the folks that used to uh, own uh, Chihuahuas uh, and uh, just down the road from from here and uh, really impressed with uh, some of their offerings like their tacos Um, they have a really nice range of fajitas as well and bar-wise, they offer tequila flights, but they also offer margarita flights. So you can get a flight of three different mar- eight-ounce margaritas uh, made with various tequilas and other ingredients. So that's a, a nice, a nice add there as well. And um, uh, they just opened last week, and from what I understand, they have been packed uh, since they opened the doors.
0: Yeah. And, Catherine, more more activity on Cherokee Indeed.
1: Street. Indeed. And uh, unlike the 11,000-square-foot space <laughs> in Maryland <laughs> Heights, this place is teeny tiny. It's mm. called Parm Pasta and Sandwich Company. You'd expect this place to open on the Hill, not Cherokee Street. They do a lot of classic Italian sandwiches um in the space that it's in on Cherokee has been an incubator for a lot of establishments there. It was formerly the home of Little Little Dipper Sandwich Shop and also Tetopia, which has since moved down the street to a bigger space. It's very small, only takeout. They have a half dozen Italian sandwiches to go. We really liked the eggplant parmesan. This is not a pretty sandwich by any means. It's a messy, sloppy cheesy, tomato-y thing that you really should have a fork for. Um, but it's so fun, and it's so good, and so indulgent. And the meatball sub was another favorite. The The meatballs are, are really tender and and flavorful. They, they stand well on their own, but they're great in the sauce. Um, you definitely won't be able to finish a whole sandwich, but you'll have a wonderful, messy time trying.
0: Uh, I'm going to bet that the uh, eggplant parmesan sh- sandwich is not served on Wonder Bread.
1: No, it's served on a <laughs> giant hoagie roll. <laughs>
0: As it would have to be if it's exactly. as, as, as sloppy as you say. Is this uh, time of year an unusual time of year for restaurants to be opening? I mean, it's, the, the weather is unpredictable. It's cold. Um, and yet we have four four of them here mm-hmm. that uh, are just opening.
1: I don't no, i i think it's it's not a personally I, what i've noticed is it's not a particularly unusual time i think a lot of people like to start in the slower months mm-hmm. to kind of get their feet under them get their menus finalized before things get busier when the weather's nicer and people want to go out more so i don't think it's necessarily unheard of that people would open now yeah, yeah it you, makes
2: i think that i think that that's true i think that makes a lot of sense and and also i will say that like sometimes uh some of the restaurants that are opening at this time of year uh sometimes it's inadvertent um you know because as you know when you say we're going to open in spring it's a lot of times it ends up to be summer after you deal with uh, bureaucracy and contractors and et cetera. So some of these, it might not have been planned to open in January February, but uh, that's just kind of how, it, how exactly. it ended up happening.
0: Oh, and also oftentimes there's a certain amount of construction that's necessary. And we all, all know how sometimes the prediction that the job will be done two weeks from now means two months from now. Exactly. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, how, is that a time of year when a lot of places close?
1: But I you. think we do see a few more we do see closings toward the end of the year yeah. um, and the beginning of the year too because I think that 's when a lot of people sort of have to really kind of make their decisions The holiday season's over, the busy season 's over they 're about to go into a slower season, and you really kind of have to assess where you are as a business and make that choice
0: yeah it 's a tough business as we 've mentioned many times mm-hmm. uh, on this program, but you have a couple of closings that, that we can talk about today that are Going by the wayside.
1: Absolutely. Um, we uh, are uh, sad to report that the Libertine in Clayton has closed. Their last day was January 6th. Uh, Owners Nick and Audra Luddy announced that the closure on Facebook and they are they said they have planned to launch another concept. They haven't disclosed what that is yet. For those not familiar, the Libertine opened in 2013 with Chef Josh Galeano to high critical acclaim. Galeano was nominated for a James Beard Award. (laughs) Um, And they went through a few series of chefs after uh, Galeano left, ending with farm truck owner, chef owner, uh, Samantha Mitchell, who uh, said that she's not going to be involved in whatever concept they move forward with, um, but she is focusing on her truck business.
0: This is a frequent occurrence, isn't it? When when people close an establishment, that they oftentimes move on and open another one someplace else. It
1: I think so. I, I've seen I've seen that happen for sure. I think you know just because one concept didn't work doesn't mean mm-hmm. another concept won't work. And if you're a restaurateur, sometimes that's a that's a bug you can't shake.
2: Yeah, I think most restaurateurs too are they're they're. At the end of the day, they're very optimistic uh, and very confident, and they, if they can't make it work someplace, they'll make it work somewhere else. Uh,
0: again, it's a very, very tough business. Absolutely. So there's so many factors that come into play as to whether it will be successful or not. I, I read someplace or heard someplace that the average life of a restaurant in this country – is only about seven years, maybe even less than that. And that takes into consideration places that have been around for a long, mm-hmm. long time.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah I've, I've heard various numbers, five years, seven years. I'm not sure what the – if there is an official number out there. But, um, yeah, I, I will say that it's got – the, the cool thing about the restaurant business is it is very hard, but there's always some dreamer out there who's willing to say, I, I think I can do this. And uh, so there's never a lot – we don't have a lot of people closing, but there's always plenty of people willing to step Absolutely. in and open a <laughs> place. So. Yeah, right.
0: Well, you, uh, Matt, you had a restaurant, that, the Mexican restaurant, that is opening. Uh, you mentioned earlier, now we have one that's uh, is, is closing. Yeah, um,
2: Milagro, a uh, modern Mexican in Webster Groves. This is m- owned by uh, the Tilford Restaurant Group, who also own the Mission Taco joint um, restaurants. Uh, they've been in Webster for about eight years, and they're going to be closing on March 24th. main reason that the owners gave was uh, it's, it's a bad location. It's very it's – no, there's no s- visibility from the street. It's a little hard to find. They've been struggling with this issue since they opened – Um, So they are closing, but uh, good news is they are going to be reopening. Right now they're actively searching for a space. They want to stay in that general kind of corridor of Rock Hill, Webster, Kirkwood, Maplewood area, somewhere around there. But
0: they, uh, they do plan on opening another one. And what about Water Street and Maplewood, Catherine?
1: Water Street and Maplewood did uh, actually close up shop yesterday, January 30th. Uh, Water Street opened in 2011 with owner Gabe, is it Kvitan, Matt? Am I saying that right? Yes. That's a, well, that's how I say it. So. Uh, <laughs> Apologies, Gabe, if we're saying it wrong. Uh, running the bar and his sister, Maria, running the kitchen. Um, his sister stepped down, I think, last year or the year prior, um, and then Gabe has decided that after seven years, he's ready for a break. He wants to pursue some new opportunities. He's been in this game for a while, and, and He's ready to, to kind of take a break. So there, I know there are some some people that I'm sure are eyeing that space. It's a very popular space, a popular stretch of Maplewood, so I'm sure that space won't stay vacant for long.
0: And they're getting ready to lock the doors at Wasabi downtown.
2: Uh, yeah, actually, uh, today is the last day for the downtown location of Wasabi uh, on Washington Avenue. And that's actually their flagship location. It was the first one opened in 2003. Uh, and actually, according to CEO John Kim, um, it's actually going – Going to be closing forever. It's another situation where they're actually just looking for a better space um, that uh, is going to make the concept work a little better. So right now they're looking, hopefully, midtown, maybe central west end, uh, and they're going to be opening up two new wasabis this year, uh, and that might might be one of them.
0: Hmm. Well, we have a little time left and something that I'm interested in because I don't know much about food halls. <laughs> and, and yet uh, I, I understand that uh, on, on either end of this country, either side of this country, they're very big, but they're coming to uh, St. Louis. What are they and, and how do they work?
1: Sure. So a food hall is nothing like the fast food courts of your mall days that you might remember. Uh, instead of Sabaro and dip and Dots, we're looking at independent restaurants that are focused on artisan products, quality fare, unique offerings, Often they're new concepts or second locations from area-established chefs and restaurateurs. So one that recently opened, and Matt, you just visited there, uh, was The Eatery downtown mm-hmm. at One Metropolitan Square, right?
2: Right. Uh, they op- actually opened up for business um, this week. And right now they have three uh, three concepts that are uh, taking up in the space, uh, and they're going to have two more hopefully by the end of this year. And uh, it's, it's in the Old Kimmel's space, when Kimmel's was still located on that ground floor of, oh, yeah. uh, of One Met Square, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a great chance for people to come in, get a little bit of a little bit of everything. You can go in there with a group, and it's not like going to a restaurant where you're like, oh, I I want to do Mexican today. Well, no, I want to do burgers. You can kind of go mm. and everybody can get something and then sit down there. It's a good size space too. It's about a hundred seats or so.
0: Hundred seats. Well, that's uh, will accommodate hundred people or so, I would, <laughs> exactly. I would, I would guess. Um, do you think there is any issue at all with basically competitors shoulder to shoulder in, in spaces like this?
1: I think it goes back to um, that camaraderie that I feel like we talk about every other time we're on air. (laughs) Uh, You know, a rising tide floats all boats, um, especially when you're looking at places like City Foundry, St. Louis, which is opening next year on Forest Park Parkway right near that IKEA space and and, uh, the the old uh, Falstaff brewing space there's seven tenants that are lined up there. They're all pretty well-known names in the in the St. Louis restaurant industry. And if they all are successful, they're bringing in more people. They're, they're getting people that will say, oh, I haven't tried that one yet. I have tried this one. You go get this. You go get that, and we'll mm-hmm. share. So I think the the more they work together, the more the bigger crowd they, they draw. Yeah,
0: uh, absolutely. Uh, well, I would think it would be, be – excuse me, Matt. I think it would be somewhat complicated if you have a number of different tenants under one roof just, you know – figuring out how you're going to pay the rent. Who does what? I mean, that's got to be an issue.
1: I think it. you and you know better than me on this, Matt, but didn't uh, there, there's the contracts arranged with the companies that own the food hall there. That's sort of lined out for them. Right.
2: Right. And there's also not going to be direct competition. Like you're not going to have two burger places or, you know, two chick, fried chicken places. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the 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 themes are spread out. Uh, so there's not a lot of direct competition. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I think it the competition raises everybody's game. So I think yeah. it's a good thing. Right.
0: Well, we've got another one here that you want to talk about, Catherine.
2: The or- City Foundry? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned, there's they have seven local tenants that they've recently locked in um, that we're excited to see what they do. So Matt Borchart, he owns Edibles and Essentials. He launched Essentially Fries, the food truck, and he will be opening Essentially Tacos inside City Foundry. And if anyone's been to Edibles and Essentials and had their tacos, we're excited to see what he can do with those. Um, Natalie DeBose, who owns Natalie's Cakes and More, will be opening a small area inside the uh, food hall as well. Michael Friedman, who was formerly the executive chef of Retreat Gastropub, will be opening Lost and Found, which is a burger and pizza concept. Uh, Tamara Keefe and Frank Ubley will be opening another location of Clementine's Creamery. I think that makes the, the fourth one for them.
2: I think that's right, yeah.
1: Uh, Brendan Marsden, who owns White Box Eatery will be opening a sister, uh, sister restaurant that's sort of centered on salads and lighter fare. Britt Simpson and Kevin Pellegrino, who are well-known chefs in the area. They've worked in a lot of area kitchens. They will be opening Hari Manak. Am I saying that right? I think
2: so, yeah.
1: Um, Philippine, it's, it'll be a Filipino grilled chicken restaurant. Jason and Maria Sparks, who own Layla in the Grove, will be opening Sumax, which will be a place focused on house-made hummus and wraps.
2: So as you can see, it's very diverse. I mean, there's not a lot of, not a lot of overlap in what they're doing
0: and very crowded i would think i mean that's a lot of establishments again under under one roof
1: we've seen some of the renderings that the that the uh, company that's Running City Found is it JLL
2: Matt? Yes, it is. Oh no no that I'm, no, JLL is the
1: eatery. Oh the eatery. Okay, but we've seen some renderings of the space and it's massive. Isn't the uh, I forget the square footage off yeah. the top of my head, but it's it's a massive space. So there's going to be plenty of room to move around and and get to sample everything. In fact,
2: evening. when they the first phase of that project's opening in spring of 2019 or excuse me summer of 2019, and at that time they're going to hopefully open with 15 total. Um, wow. stalls <laughs> uh, and another five to come after that for a total of
0: 20. So it's working well on the East Coast and on the West Coast. So uh, why, St. Not, why not St. Louis? Exactly. It is our turn. Eventually, everything comes to St. Exactly. Louis. Exactly. Catherine Claney, thank you so much. Matt Sorrell, Sauce Magazine. Great seeing you again. We'll see you in a couple of weeks, I guess. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash air. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.